0: Poland. uh, Things that come to mind. Not a whole lot. No.
1: (laughs) Poland. Probably not a whole lot. Uh, Polish sausages. No, I don't
2: know anything about that country. Poland. (laughs) Sausages. (laughs) Pierogies. Is that it? We hope it's not. That's what we're going to try to show you. Welcome to PolCast. Hi, this is Małgorzata Bonikowska and you're listening to episode 75 of PolCast, recorded and produced in Toronto. We are slowly emerging from this weirdest thing that has changed our lives like nothing before. We will always see the world as being divided into two distinct and different realities by COVID-19. Today, I want to invite you to listen to two conversations, neither of which is COVID-related for a change. Our young Polish Canadians, known to be extremely active, have created and developed a number of dynamic youth organizations, which inspired people also outside Canada. Polcast has been featuring both the annual Quo Vadis conferences and their organizers, as well as a number of their participants. Today, I'm talking to two quite amazing young people they study at the University of Toronto and are both in charge of the PSA, Polish Students Association, the Polish club at their university. Now, the PSA, in collaboration with Kuavadis Conferences Canada, is organizing an innovative event, an online conference for students called Kuavadis Student Connect, to be held online on June 27th. Polcast, its proud media patron, is very happy to present to you Sofia Orfanakos and Ericsson Singh. By the way, we featured Ericsson in episode 68 of Polcast in a story titled A Hongkonger with a Polish Heart. Okay, so here you are, both of you. Are you guys in the same place, geographically at least, like uh, Sofia and, uh, and Ericsson, Are you in Toronto now? I'm in Toronto, but Ericsson, he's in
1: Vancouver. Hey, so
2: wow, thousands of kilometers away from us. Ericsson, so you won't have to come to Toronto to the event that we're going to be discussing.
3: Since this is online, it could be hosted anywhere and it could be uh, received anywhere in the world. So long as you have a computer, an iPad, tablet, whatever, connected to the internet, you will be able to partake in it.
2: Right. This is the first QVARIS online. That has never happened. How is this going to be happening? Tell me about the organization of the event, how different it is from the previous ones, and, uh,
1: well, what is the plan? So this QVARIS Student Connect is an event specifically designed for students. It's not like the other conferences. This is very university and recent high school graduate-based, and it's going to be conducted on Zoom. And we're going to have representatives from Polish student clubs from a lot of different universities like Calgary, Western, Waterloo, McMaster and U of T. We'll all be speaking about our Polish clubs to students on this online platform. OK, so the
2: speakers will be representatives of various Polish clubs at various Canadian universities. Yes. Exclusively Canadian this time.
1: Yes, exclusively
2: Canadian. Last time you guys were a lot wider, right? You had people coming from all over the world. I know they won't be able to come, but they would be able to speak. So why did you just decide to limit yourself to Canada?
3: Uh, right now, uh, one, of, one of our kind of focus and questions we have is how can we incorporate all the other Canadian Polish university clubs to come together and to showcase ourselves to the um, student population? of Polish heritage. So we had uh, Anya Berlitska and Joanna from Cubatis conferences come reach out to us and uh, initially we thought maybe this is too big of an event that we are not able to do. But then after thinking about it, consulting with our group members, we decided to take take charge and uh, partner up with Cubatis and and try to um, make this event possible. And so far we've been able to come a long way into grabbing uh, different organizations, uh, different speakers, including uh, the Consulate General of of Poland, Toronto come together. And hopefully by June 27th, we would have a a fun, engaging, but also uh, a nice uh, environment for for students to connect with one another. So it's it's been a long process, but we are still on target and on track.
2: Is it going to be open to everybody or is this going to be a closed event?
3: This will be open to anyone who, who registers on our link. Obviously, our, our main targets right now are Canadian high school student graduates and also current university students in Canada as well.
2: Do you have any maximum number of people that you can accommodate?
3: Well, according to the uh, Zoom group uh, requirements, uh, we we our account allows for around 150 people but well, we may be looking into uh, upgrading our, our Zoom account later on.
2: Well, Sophia, were you involved in the previous CoVaris conferences?
1: Yes, I was. I went to the one um, last year. And now you're on the, uh, on the organizing committee. Yes. I'm actually the president of the Polish Students Association at U of T. So Ericsson and our other um, colleague, Myra, they are our co-vice presidents. Okay, so this is clearly hosted by Toronto, by the U of T Polish Club. How long have you been working on this project? For about a month. The actual event is on June 27th, but it's been a long way in the planning, um, working closely with um, Kuvatis and making sure we are broadcasting on social media and um, getting other clubs involved and such. But this is not Covaris itself, right? It's an offshoot. Well, Cuvades does conferences, right? So this is just an online student connect conference. It's not obviously the ones that they've done in the past. This is a specifically catered conference for students.
2: Tell me about the program. What is going to happen? How long is it going to be, first of all?
3: As I mentioned before, the event will be on Saturday, June 27th, one uh, o'clock Eastern time to 4 p.m. Eastern time. So the program is to divide into three different sections. The first section is uh, having the clubs present. In the second section, we have our friends at Cubatis presenting about internship information, scholarship information. And in the last section, we will have a special presentation by the vice consul of the consulate general to give Information regarding Polish citizenship, uh, work, stu- study, and travel opportunities, and also uh, study opportunities in Poland. So it's kind of three different things in one, and 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 it will be very informative. Uh, at the end of each uh, section, we will have Q and A, Q&A, but also it, we will allow uh, people to ask questions uh, during the presentations. Now. Let me be specific. The presentations are one part. The other part is the connection building, and we will have opportunities for the students to, to connect. And we're looking into right now into the breakout rooms feature, and we're trying to logistically make it possible.
2: Are you modeling this on anything else that you have seen, something, a similar event, um, Sophia, or is it something that you're just, this is the first one, and you're just inaugurating a new format?
1: No, I think this is the first one. We're really taking a leap out there and um, showing uh, and trying something new. And um, we've had online Zoom conferences with other students and other clubs around the world. So we're familiar with the online platform. So it's something very different to try to turn it into a conference and have it different sections and such. So, no, I would say it's very new and we're just we're using our own ideas to make it happen. Tell me about the club, because
2: you guys are in charge of this club, Polish club at the University of Toronto. And as we know, it's one of many, but is this is it the largest? Because the university is probably the
1: largest in Canada. We've been our club has definitely been active the longest. Our club originates back in 1952, so we've been around a long time and have a large legacy. But um, it's challenging now to find Polish youth willing. to get in touch with their culture. So that's another thing that we're promoting with the Student Connect to get um, students just graduating from high school to let them know, you know, wherever university you go to, there are Polish clubs available and we're here to embrace our culture. I know McMaster has a strong Polish um, club going as well. You say it's difficult to draw these Polish
2: students or students of Polish descent to those Polish clubs. Is it because they just don't kind of need it anymore? What is the situation?
1: Part of it depends on, I think, how you were raised a little bit. Um, I know some kids when they were younger, their parents forced them to go to Polish school or this or that, and maybe they don't connect as much with the culture. But I find is the older you get, the more you wish you connected more with your culture. I, for example, I'm only half Polish. My dad is Greek. So um, sometimes I struggled a little bit with to even identify as Polish because I wasn't completely Polish, but um, I'm glad I am part of it and I am getting in touch with this culture. So you're half Greek, half Polish. Who's who? Who? mama is Polish or? My mom is Polish. So I speak, I speak a little bit of Polish. You know, you always get something a little extra from your mom. And my dad is Greek. Uh, I don't, I don't really know any Greek. And my grandparents still live in Poland. My grandfather lives in Greece. And my aunt on my mom's side, the Polish side, she actually lives in Germany because she married a German. So, family's. do you ever go to Poland? Have you been? Yes, I've been a lot of time. My family in Poland is from Stalowa Wola, and I've been to Krakow, Warszawa, Dying I've been all around Poland. Unfortunately, not recently, but probably about three years ago. Mm-hmm.
2: So, when you when you go, do you do you have a chance to speak your Polish, whatever Polish you have?
1: Yes, I think my Polish improves a lot when I'm in Poland, and especially when I'm around my family. Um, My grandparents in Poland recently got an iPad and FaceTime, and it's been really lovely to practice my Polish with them.
2: Well, Ericsson's story, as we know, and those who listen to our podcast episode where Ericsson was featured, is obviously of totally no Polish origin. I think you're one of the most impressive people that I've met (laughs) in the sense that you, for some reason, started loving Poland and loving the language. All right. So he's from Hong Kong. You're from Hong Kong.
3: That is correct. Yes.
2: Okay. well, tell me about your this Polish part in you. I mean, are you still as excited about being in the Polish club and being part of the Polish community at the U of T, at least as you were when I met you?
3: Uh, I'll say this very clearly. Uh, The Polish club for me has been my second family. Um, I don't see it as just a club. Um, it's it's a group of friends. We come together, we have fun, uh, we we go through university together. So it really has uh, enhanced my my university career and my experience there. To kind of answer your question, this club has been you know almost everything to me. My family lives in Vancouver, so it's hard to have community away from your home, away from your high school that you grew up with. So when I originally went to uh, Toronto. For U of T, I found PSA, and I'm very glad to have meet, met these wonderful people. Um, so it's been there for me since.
2: I know you learned the language because you went to Poland to teach English, right? But you, you're still keeping the language. You have a Polish girlfriend. Now, since I interviewed you, you have been... No, your girlfriend has been to Canada, right? And you have been also once to visit her family in Poland, am I right?
3: Yes, so I was there uh, during Christmas and also there during February as well. So if it wasn't for the border closures, I would have been there already right now, but I'm um, just hoping that I could fly back very soon.
2: Do you have very clo- did you have very close connections with the uh, Chinese Hong Kong community when you were a student?
3: Uh, in UFT, no, uh, it's, it's always has been uh, the PSA and it's also this other club that I also run that's called the European Study Students Association that's part of the program, the major that I'm taking. But uh, no, I've had not uh, interacted nor uh, took part in any of the Chinese or Hong Kong related student groups in, in Toronto. For me, I, I guess it was just opportunities. Um, I actually first encountered PSA at the clubs fair and I just, um, I met Martin, I met Maria, met Michal, and then I just told them my story and they said, hey, why don't you join us? So I just took the opportunity there. So I to be honest, it wasn't a very consciously planned thing. I just uh, out of the blue saw them at the club's uh, club night, and I, and I took and I joined. So,
2: what is it about Poland and Polish culture that fascinates you, Ericsson?
3: I I love reading history, and Poland has very spectacular, although you know at times it's unfortunate history. But for me, I I'm just fascinated with the uh, kind of the dynamics of it going back to. Uh, the earlier age, uh, 966, all the way up to now, I mean, it's just reading all the different periods, the different dynasties and so on. That's been fascinating to me. And for me, it's kind of like Chinese history as well. Uh, you have a lot of ups and downs, but in the end, you know, you survive, your nation survives.
2: So tell me, guys, both of you, I mean, Erikson not having any Polish blood in him, and then you, Sofia, having just half. What language
1: do you guys speak
2: at your meetings?
1: We speak English at our meetings, um, I think because people have varying levels of Polish ability, especially since myself and Erikson being the president, and vice president, and our Polish isn't completely fluent. So we do have members who both parents are Polish and they went to Polish school and have all this um, opportunity to know Polish. So I think English is the best. And when we can, we try to showcase and practice our Polish skills. We are making a, Ericsson, can, Ericsson is making a promotional video for a Kuvadas event, and we're having an English version and a Polish version. So this has been an opportunity for me to practice my Polish as well as um, all the Polish university clubs to show the English and the Polish side of their clubs. Cześć, I'm Sofia. Dzień dobry, I'm Myra.
3: Hello, I'm Ericsson and we are with the Polish Students Association at the University of Toronto. Together with Kulwati's Conferences Canada, we have partnered up to host a unique event just for you.
1: Are you graduating high school and curious about post-secondary life? Or are you already a student in university or college looking for a community to be part of? Mark your calendars because we'd like to invite you.
3: To our webinar, Kovati Student Connect on June 27th.
1: From coast to coast, east to west. Redfield. From
3: Montreal, Quebec. From Stirling, Ontario.
1: From Toronto, Ontario.
0: Saga, Ontario.
3: Hamilton, Ontario.
1: London, Ontario. Calgary, Alberta. Join us with other Polish student university clubs and connect virtually. Take the opportunity to meet EBC from Vancouver, British Columbia. U of C. Western University. From Windsor, Ontario. Meet the University of Windsor. Meet the University of Toronto. Meet McMaster Polish Society. Meet universities in Montreal and other schools. Make new connections with other students of Polish heritage and learn about resources available from the Polish community, such as scholarships and internships.
3: Be acquainted with information regarding Polish citizenship, including study, work, and travel opportunities in Poland and the European Union with a special presentation by a representative of the Consulate General of the Republic of Poland in Toronto.
1: Interested? Check below for the registration link and more information.
3: We hope you can join us on June 27th. Thank you for your attention and we hope to see you soon.
2: members do you have at your club in at the U of T?
3: on our current uh well last year 2019 2020 on our mailing list we had around 49 uh students but on average you know people coming out to our events um let's say uh the Polish uh trivia night that we have around uh 21 people showed up so it's that's kind of our highest in terms of solely uh PSA events but in kind of our let's say uh, social nights, uh, collaborations with other clubs, on average we have around 60 to around 70 people. But mind you, it's it's that in those type of events, it's people from other clubs, other interests, other cultures as well.
2: Who are the majority? Are the majority of Polish people with both Polish parents, or are there a bunch of people like you that either have Polish or not even Polish?
3: I think it's a mixture. Um, I'll, I'll I'll say this: there is another. Uh, individual by the name of Enrique, and he's actually of uh, Filipino descent. He's no, there's no Polish. So he is kind of similar to my story. He has a Polish girlfriend. He started taking Polish courses with me in the Polish department, and he's been a very avid supporter of PSA. And that's kind of like a, another example of, you know, an sort of individual who's not of Polish descent, interested in the culture, interested in the history, but interested in the country as a whole.
2: And in other places, you guys keep in close touch with other clubs, right? Do you do you have any idea of how many there are? I mean, does every university have a Polish club?
3: Historically, uh, there were a lot of Polish clubs in different universities and colleges throughout Canada. However, over the years, they seem to have gone inactive. Currently, on our books, we have in the big big cities, the big universities, there are Polish clubs, and that is kind of in our hope that this event would raise uh, attention and recognition for them in the hopes of attracting new members for them, uh, young new members, so that, in a sense, it, it allows for, for them to be, be able to keep active over uh, the next few years. So
2: so the interest has somehow decreased. I think it's about uh, people are
3: reluctant to step up into leadership and to you know be involved in the executive teams and actually uh, commit effort and time into planning events or into hosting initiatives and so on. It's one thing being a club member, but it's another thing to be a uh, a leader and an executive member. And it does take time. It does take a lot of effort. So I guess maybe it's a different a different priorities uh, or just people just not willing to 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 get involved in that sense.
1: Is that what you think, Sophia? Yes, I. I agree with this. It's a lot of people don't realize it is a lot of work to stay active, especially now online on social media that is so much more active than it was a couple years ago. And um, you have to keep up, keep current online. And I think some of the other Polish clubs who maybe don't exist anymore, they probably stopped existing a couple years ago. And I think maybe now the new generation that's coming into school, I think there are a lot more in touch with their culture. And I think if those clubs were still around maybe the new generation that's coming into university now um, would be really keen but i think in the last couple years we didn't have as many keen members
2: do you guys collaborate with other polish young organizations we
1: are we are a club so some of our goals that we've doing been doing recently especially during the pandemic being able having to stay inside we've collaborated with a lot of other polish clubs around the world. We actually talked to a Polish club in Sorbonne, France, and we've um, been in contact with the Polish Youth Association in the States, who has a collection of all the Polish clubs in the United States. We also contacted with um, a Polish organization in Poland. So being able to talk with other students is what we've been focusing on as well. What's happening between now and the 27th? We also... um, are going to launch our agenda of what the what we're expected to see during the conference. So we'll post that to see so the students can see what they're getting into. And as well as we're creating a handbook with all the list of scholarships and the list of university clubs to have after the conference. So the students have a kind of a a one one document that can tell them everything they need to know about Polish scholarships, internships, Um, and the university
2: clubs. And this is like scholarships and and internships where? In Poland or not necessarily?
3: We will have information pertaining to scholarships in Canada, specific scholarships as well for people of Polish heritage. Uh, Internships, we have like lists of directories, but also advice from people who are in for young professionals, into why they should do a uh, internship and also like tips on, on resumes and so on. So it's as Sophia said, it's it's one document that has all the information that we are going to present, on paper so that uh, people can reference to it later on.
2: Well, congratulations! This is a wonderful thing, and you're you're pioneers, which makes it even more exciting, right? Like if it turns out to be per- perfect, who knows? Maybe all these conferences will be like that. Although you probably will miss. The real contact, no? Uh,
3: I miss shaking people's hands. I miss uh, talking to people in person.
2: Giving people hugs, right? All the best. And I wish you a great success with your event. And hopefully uh, you'll be able to tell me how it was. And who knows if it's the 27th between 1 and 4, is it? 1 and 4.
3: Kuvadi Student Connect, 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, online on Zoom.
2: So in order to get all the coordinates, which is the ID and password, people need to look where?
3: So you can go on to our Facebook event page, uh, QBody Student Connect. Uh, You will have all the information regarding time, what you will be uh, expected to get. And also you will have the registration link uh, to the online form and just uh, put your info there. And then we will be sending out uh, Zoom invites as the date nears.
2: Excellent. I'm sure it's going to be great. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. On our podcast website, mypolcast.com, you can find all the relevant information how to register and how to connect with the PSA. Back in February, I conducted the interview, which you will hear in a minute. It was a carefree conversation, seems to me now, with Kinga Heming, an amazing Polish-Canadian jazz singer who was born in Poland, moved to Ottawa when she was five, and now resides in the small town of Kelowna in the Canadian province of British Columbia. Then, in February, I had just seen and loved her performance at the Kabaret Podbankon's annual Cabareton, Cabaret Night, but most of all... Kinga had just been nominated for a renowned Grammy Award, which is considered one of the four major annual American Entertainment Awards, along with the Oscars, Academy Awards in film, the Emmy Awards in television, and the Tony Awards in the theatre and Broadway. So, Kinga's nomination was an outstanding achievement. I didn't release that interview at the time because all the podcast episodes starting in March were devoted to COVID. But now, I thought, it's time to come back to that atmosphere from before the coronavirus crisis and to introduce Kinga to you. I didn't change anything in our conversation. I want you to hear it the way it was in those pre-COVID times. Kinga, you are in Kelowna. We actually had a funny thing with the time. <laughs> I couldn't figure out that you were three hours. I was three hours ahead of you because I somehow assumed that you were in the same time zone. Uh, when did you go, when did you relocate to BC? Uh, about six years ago. We
4: kind of decided that uh, it was time for a change for uh, my uh, the family. So we kind of decided to uh, to relocate here.
2: And why? Why then?
4: Well, I guess because my uh, my ex-husband's uh, family lives out here, so we kind of decided that uh, you know he'd be with all of them here, and um, and it was also a nice kind of change of pace for well, for myself because living in a, a hectic city like Toronto, is, <laughs> um, it was nice to have a, a slower paced life, right? So yeah. and Kelowna seems to be one of those places where it's it's uh, it's becoming a little bit more hectic now because they're really populating this town, but uh, but all in all, it's definitely. Um, a lot less hectic than what Toronto was. How
2: large or how small is it?
4: When I moved out here, it was about 196,000. And now it's about, I would say, 250 to 260, if not more.
2: From the point of view of your career, your uh, vocal career, is that mm-hmm. equally good as being uh, you know, in Toronto?
4: You know what? To be honest, I actually perform a lot more here than I did when I lived in Toronto and I guess it's uh, and I don't know why I think it's because there's so many there's so much music out there there's so much competition out in Toronto that I find it's like being the you know a small fish in a big pond on well, this kind of thing it's like being a big fish in a small pond right so um, that's kind of I have a chance to sort of perform a lot more here than uh, than I did there but it's funny because now I'm getting calls to come back to Toronto to to do some more performances so I don't know about to
2: move back to Toronto now or what. I guess we'll have to see. Well, you have to definitely become a huge fish, actually, <laughs> considering the recent developments. I mean, I have just seen you in a concert and it was beautiful, it was amazing. And Thank you. You have that incredible presence, incredible. Stage, um, I don't know, power. You have that power, but let's talk about. Maybe we'll start from now and going backwards. So obviously, the big fish thing is your Grammy nomination. This is very special to be nominated in for a Grammy award. is big. You know
4: what? I, I still can't believe it. Even just having this conversation with you about it, it's just it, it doesn't, it hasn't. I don't think it's hit me, and I think it's just because it was it was the first round and it didn't get anywhere further. But even to say that I made the first round of Grammys from the album that I just recorded is on its own. It's, it's a huge thing, like you said.
2: How, how did you find out?
4: So when I recorded the this, the recent album I, uh, in in Vancouver, my the the, the guy that produced it, um, he's really good at at putting in submissions. So whether it's the Junos the Grammys, he's always very much on top of that. Whereas for me, I don't really know how to do that, so mm. I never really even thought to give my send my record to the Grammys. So he submitted it. After it had been released and, uh, about two months later, which was the night of my CD release party that was held in Kelowna, he was on the, the website and, uh, I think he submitted me for the uh, vocal jazz album of the year category. So it was during re- rehearsal. He, uh, he was scrolling through and I said, I'm like, Gabe, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, I got to see if you got submitted to the Grammys and, or if you got nominated first round. And I'm looking at him like a deer in headlights because I said, this is the Grammy. Really? I'm like, let's just rehearse. Come on. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and sure enough, he shows me the telephone and, and there it is, first round, um, vocal jazz album of the year. And there was my CD and, and just like a little blurb and things like that. So um, yeah, so I got through the first panel of judges and then it went through to the second. And I think I got beat out by, I think it was a Mexican jazz group or something like that.
2: Can you just tell us a little bit about the Grammys, like how big it is and how important it is in a in a life or in a career of a vocalist or a musician? I mean
4: the Grammys. The Grammys, it's an international award show. So I mean, you know, you are now competing with celebrities like Michael Bublé, Justin Bieber, I I mean Ariana Grande, all the the top top world class artists, right? So as an independent vocalist, right? And I I mean I don't write my own music. I, I do, but I haven't released any. Um it's it's a huge success to be and an honor to even be able to get to that um to that category because um like I said, I mean it's a worldwide event. Everybody, millions of people around the world watch the Grammys, right? Mm-hmm. So just to be able to say, I mean to be I mean, looking at being at the red carpet would be would be I mean a blessing. Would be a blessing on its own, but just to be able to say and write in a press release that you know the first round of Grammys to any eye that that knows music and that is very familiar with the Grammy Awards would be like, wow. Right. So it's like the Oscars, right? It's like any independent actor that's doing films, whether they're in Toronto or Ottawa, suddenly, you know, their film gets, um, gets nominated into the, the Oscars, right? It's the same thing. Those are the two biggest events. Juno Awards are obviously, they're Canada-wide. So they, as a, as a Canadian, obviously it's, it's important as well to be a part of that. But I mean, the Grammys is just.
2: Yeah. Wow. That, well, we definitely want you on that red carpet. I would love to be on that red carpet. <laughs> but we're very proud of you. We're very proud oh, of you. This thank is you. <laughs>
0: Thank you. How
2: did you get where you are now, Kinga? Let's go back to the very beginning. You were born in a Polish family in Ottawa, right? Your, yes. your family are, well, artistic. Your dad is artistic. Is your mom artistic as well? Uh she
4: hasn't. She's got an ear for music, but she's not a, a musician mm-hmm. per se. She just mm-hmm. she loves music, but right. that's the extent of it.
2: But your dad is a cabaret guy. He's an amazing guy. Um, and how did you grow up with music around you? I did.
4: So music was always in my house. My mom used to play, um, you know, she used to play her Glenn Miller orchestras and her Frank Sinatra's and Nat King Cole. So there was always there was always jazz, particular, um, in the house, but. My dad at the time actually started singing. I was singing in Italian, believe it or not, <laughs> when I first started because my dad was traveling through Europe, um, on a ship and, uh, he was in Italy and he bought me this record by, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, Romino, Romina and Albano Paros. So oh. They're an Italian couple, couple. They used to sing. Uh, they were just amazing. And, uh, so they, he brought me that CD and I used to sit by the, by my, um, little radio player and just listen to to that their music, and then I would learn their songs and memorize mm-hmm. them. And, yeah, so that's kind of how it started. Mm-hmm. And then I would sit my dolls on the couch and pretend that I'm putting on a performance.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, which is what my daughter does now. So it's All great. Right. <laughs> runs, in it runs in the family. Runs in the family. Runs in the family. Did you get any formal training, like music training, vocal training? I did. Uh, when, I went to, uh, when I went to Canterbury High School in
4: Ottawa, I studied vo- voice for, uh, for four years of high school, and then I went to Humber College, and I studied voice again at Humber. But I was already, I kind of um, taught myself, really, like how it, how it all started before I even went to to um, high school and college. I kind of found, uh, like, I sort of found my vocal ability, and I was able to sort of interpret certain songs, because I listened to a lot of Mariah Carey, a lot of Whitney Houston, And that's kind of how I developed my ear and developed my sound. Um, I can't really say my sound because I was too young to really know what my sound was Mm -hmm. um, until obviously further on in life, but um, yeah, so it just kind of, I I mean, training obviously helps when it comes to the breathing, the technique and things like that, but I think stylistically, I kind of had my own little uh, ways of of performing songs.
2: But you found your avenue, your, your niche, your whatever, your life in jazz. I did. And why? And how? Who were your idols? Who were your role models? I mean, neither Whitney Houston nor Mariah (laughs) Carey.
4: No. No. Well, here's a little, here's a funny story. So as I mentioned earlier, my mom played a lot of jazz in the house when I was growing up. And she used to always say to me, she's like, you know, um, one of these days she sat me down and she's playing this beautiful song. um, It's called You'll Never Know. And I think it was Nat King Cole that was performing it. And she sat me down and she said, you know, Kinga, one day you're going to sing this song. And I looked at her and said, no, I'm not. (laughs) This is not my style of music, mom. It's not going to happen. And she says, okay, well, one day, mark my words. And I went, okay. Then I was back to my Whitney Houston's and Mariah Carey's. I went. And then, uh, it was in high school. It was in grade 10. We're doing, there was a, a, an ensemble that, that, uh, it was, what is it called? A recital that was put together by the school. And uh they were always choosing acts, whether it was drama, because it was an artistic school, right? So there was like literary, there was um drama, there was dance, so there was always uh one of the arts were being featured. And one of the, a group of my friends had said, you know, we want to put this ensemble together. Would you be interested in singing in it? And I said, sure. What am I singing? And they said, well, the song that Diana Krall record- recorded is called All Night Long. And I said, oh, okay. So I listened to it, and sure enough, it's jazz. So. I learned it and I sang it for this, um, uh, for the recital, and it ended up turning out pretty great. And that's when I kind of thought to myself, you know, this jazz thing is not so bad after all. And, <laughs> and I think the one of the reasons why I liked it was the fact that it's jazz, um, like if you notice, a lot of pop singers are, um, their voices are a lot higher, like they're more soprano, metal sopranos, whereas I'm an alto. So I kind of feel like my voice sits. Where, where, you know, in the jazz category, a lot better than in pop or or R&B or whatever. So I kind of thought that, um, you know, I could do this. Granted, a lot of the jazz repertoire is in higher key, so I have to transpose, um, just so I can sing it in my key. But I, I kind of figured that, you know, I can, I can do this. So it kind of started from there. So we developed a band called herself the West Berlin. Hmm. And, uh, and then we kind of traveled around Ottawa a little bit and performed here and there at local jazz clubs. And uh, and then I just decided to continue pursuing it. So that's when I went to Humber College for jazz vocals, and then I graduated. And within that time frame, I was also performing a lot throughout Toronto. So that's kind of where I found my niche in the in the jazz world, and kind of stuck with it. Mm-hmm. And you know what? My mom was right because I did sing "You'll Never Know." <laughs> <laughs> that was actually one of my first songs that I put together for one of my shows that I did. So
2: right, so she yeah. was right. Now you do, you say you don't compose your music, but you write your lyrics.
4: Yes, I do. So what I do is I I write lyrics, and then I try and kind of I play a little bit of piano, but not to the point where I can actually form a, a complete song. So I have musicians that I kind of work with, collaborate with, to be able to to put something together. So I recently wrote a song, and my piano player had to had put together the music for it, but it was just it's like a, it's like a beginner jazz standard. So. I need to sort of develop um, myself a little bit, challenge myself a little bit more in the writing world because there's so much music out there, but there's so many jazz standards that um, that I, I choose that are not overplayed, which is why I kind of got a little bit lazy in the writing process. Because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, a lot of that music is buried. So why not bring it to life again? Mm-hmm. And then some people think that some songs on my record that I just recorded are my originals, And I said, no, they're not. Mm-hmm. I, I can... Pretend that they are, but then I would probably get in a lot of trouble. So, <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. but, but but in the concert, you said something that I remembered, which was that you always sing about yourself, right? You always sing yeah. about your life. So, do you find the other people's lyrics, the other people's songs, that tell stories about your life, or do you find yeah. that this is very maybe I don't know, universal?
4: Oh, well, it is definitely universal because I think people that had you know lived. Right? And, and, um, gone through things in life, whether it's, you know, broken hearts, relationships, um, just anything in general. Um, I think that anyone could reflect on, on any love song, for example, right? So, which is kind of, I choose repertoire, which is what I mentioned on, um, at the concert. I tend to choose repertoire that I connect with because a lot of singers I find when they sing, they're just singing because they like to sing, but they really, they don't really connect with, with what they're singing about. And for me, in order to capture an audience, I find that if I connect with the lyrics, then now the audience is connected with me through my lyrics. Right. even though they're not my personal lyrics, right? But mm-hmm. So that's the thing for me, is to be able to tell a story about, um, about myself.
2: An amazing so. thing was the last song you sang when you sat with Marek Majewski in those high chairs yeah. and you said you were a very big fan of Edita Gebert, who is a Polish and, singer. Yes. That song and that interpretation of that song and that song in general, it was really haunting,
4: Oh, you know, I I just got the chills when you just mentioned that, because it's so true. It is such a beautiful, beautiful song. When I first heard it, and I kid you, I think, I don't even know if you noticed, I actually... Broke down a little bit on stage halfway it's, through the lyrics. Did you I see that? that? Yeah, you had, you had it, tears in your eyes. eyes. Yes. It's always there's always a, a, a certain certain part of that song that just that just hits home and and
2: I don't know why. My dad's like, "Stop crying," <laughs> and I'm like, "No, I can't, no, King, cry, cry. It's very yeah, natural. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. You could see everybody could see that it really touched you and it touched yeah. us. Like you could see you got standing ovation for that song.
4: Most yeah, ah, yeah. uh, it's such a beautiful song. And I mean, have you ever heard of, is it that sing it? Of course. Oh, uh. So beautiful. And she's, I mean, there's been so many different versions of, of, of her singing that song. But uh yeah, I just, I don't know. There's something about it. And the lyrics are just gorgeous. So what so. is it about her that
2: touches you so much? About, about Agatha? Edith Agatha. Why her? Well,
4: well, because again, remember how I said that some singers, they just sing to sing. And Edith Agafet actually tells a story, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. So every time you can see her emotions through every single lyric, through every song, like she's just... So passionate about every song that she sings whether it's or or right all those songs that she's done
2: are just there's just such a connection have you thought about translating those lyrics and making them english songs uh i think they already are because I, I don't
4: know I, I think so i think has already has english lyrics to it i don't know about and but i mean i could always look into it but i so many people take those songs and and just interpret them in their you know lyrically in their own way and to be honest with you some of them when i listened to them like there was i heard l- lyrics to it but i didn't i wasn't not that i wasn't a fan but i I kind of thought it doesn't really tell a story like somebody just kind of put together what they like tra- translation wh- wise what they thought it should sound like but it it doesn't it's not the same you know uh, it's hard to explain and no,
2: he, no, no. I understand. That's why I'm asking you. Maybe yeah. you should do it yourself. I
4: should. I know. Maybe I should do your exactly. own
2: version of Nishabu in yes. English. Yeah, yeah.
4: I definitely should. Just get <laughs> the rights from the uh, the writers, the initial writers. Yes,
2: totally. Right. What are What are your plans? Where are you going in all this? Ideally,
4: my plans would be to tour the world and record and just just sing, sing my little heart out. Um, you know, the the hard part about that is that uh, this is a this is a cutthroat world and everybody wants to get into the business and it's, it's hard. You have to have, and it's not that I don't have the drive because I do, but you have to have that persistence. You have to have that, um you know, that, that kind of push, right. Which I sort of lack in a way because I've always been sort of the person that kind of sits back and, and kind of not follows, but um I kind of gently put myself out there versus forcing myself out there. Right. So, but in order to, make it in this business you have to be a little bit more aggressive so and i'm like the least aggressive person there is so um so ideally i'd love to get an agent i would love to have somebody to sort of help me um find my path in as far as touring goes because as a a single mom having a full-time career being an agent on your own that's a full-time job but it doesn't pay the bills Right. So in order for me to, to, you know, to feed my daughter and to, to pay my bills and things like that, I need to have that stability. So, um, what I'm doing and because I have, um, the flexibility with work to be able to, um, to go on tour, to take some time off because they do allow that, which is why I love my job. What do you do? Sorry. I, I work in IT for Interior Health, which is a healthcare organization here in Kelowna. And, uh, so I work as a an systems analyst. So it's a 9 to 5 Monday to Friday it's great like I said it pays the bills but at the same time I get to sing and I I'm, I'm actually I booked myself a little tour in uh on the island in Victoria in June with my band and now I'm going to go to Toronto um in October so that's going to be another little mini tour and uh, there's also another band that I'm a part of it's a it's a country tribute band called the Songs of the Southern Bells and we're actually going on tour as well I think in May April May to Alberta so I'm getting myself out there. I'm getting my feet wet, which is great. Um, but ideally, yeah, that's what I would love to do. I would just love to be on the stage because honestly, when I I always tell people this when I'm on stage, the lights in the where the audiences are out, the lights are reflecting on stage are on. I'm at home. I'm in my element and it's like it's showtime. And I just I love it. I live it, I breathe it, I just I love it. And I can't tell you. The feeling that you get when you're up there as a musician that that is so passionate about what she does, that loves it. Anybody could attest to this, whether it's Buble or, you know, any artist that, that's famous right now. They would tell you the same thing. When they're on stage, they're at home. Yeah, well, now just imagine getting those jackets. Carpet,
2: red carpets or no red carpets. I wish you a lot of this fantastic feeling when you look at the thank audience you. and you see the lights and you feel at home. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks. Kinga was planning to come to Toronto in the fall. Will it be possible? I certainly hope so. Please visit Polcast website, mypolcast.com, to learn more about Kinga and how to purchase her albums, including the most recent one, Forever in My Heart. If you have more time now, and many people do, please listen to the previous episodes if you haven't heard them yet. We featured fascinating people from all over the world with one thing in common, a connection to Poland. And don't forget to visit Podcast on Facebook every day. There are plenty of great stories about Poland there as well. And if you know an interesting story, a person worth featuring on Podcast, please let me know. And please remember to visit our podcast website, mypolcast.com. You can find a lot of interesting stories there. And of course, also the stories connected to what we talked about today. If you would like to help me make a podcast, support it financially, please. You can do so by visiting mypodcast.com slash support. Any small amount helps, trust me. And I want to take this opportunity to thank all of our podcast supporters. And I leave you with one of my favorite songs, sung by Kinga Hemming: Here's to Life.
0: dreams and placing bets, for I have learned that all you give is all you get, so give it all you've got, I've had my share, I drank my fill. And even though I'm satisfied, I'm hungry still to see what's down another road beyond a hill and do it all again. So here's. Joe your... As long as I'm still in the game, I want to play for laughs, for life, for love. So here's to life and all the joy. do